Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. games on the film the podcast that celebrates video game movies and today we have in his um i'm gonna say anniversary appearance one year since he was last on the show we have hamish Steele. hello hello i'm hamish Steele. i'm from pallet town and one day i'm gonna be the greatest pokemon master ever you sound um very I would say mature for being 10 years old. <laughs> How long have you been 10? A while. <laughs> I mean, I mean this, I'm going to say spoilers for Pokemon the movie I Choose You, because uh, I guess your your age, Hamish, being 10 years old, it just has opened up a question for me. So when you were 10, you become, you're allowed to go on a Pokemon journey, right? And yeah. Ash starts this film on his 10th birthday going to pick up his Pokemon. And I think four or three, no, three other people have been there first. Are they all 10 years old that day? My understanding is that there's a Pokemon, like, starter Pokemon ceremony that you get given your Pokemon and you have to be 10 to do it. It's a bit like school years. I guess, yes, like sort of coming of age ceremony in Japan or something where everyone who turns 20 within that year they all celebrate on the same day but it does seem like even with this whole one day for people to select their starter pokemon it does seem like it's very bad planning to only have three starters available (laughs) yeah professor oak literally has four pokemon to hand and he must have known four people were showing up so he also must have known one person was gonna get pikachu so hmm not very good at planning. Anyway, <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. Yes, we we are doing Pokemon the movie. I choose you. The I think it was the 20th anniversary celebration. This wasn't it. It was the 20th anniversary of the TV show. Well, it was the 20th film in the Pokemon movie franchise, and oh. we're doing it uh, for this episode because um, the 25th anniversary of Pokemon, the media franchise, the first game was released in Japan in February 1996. So there's all kinds of 25th anniversary celebrations planned for this year in Pokemon. So far, all we know is that there was this very cute little trailer where there was this sort of Rube Goldberg-style machine of a pokeball going on a journey through different kind of slides and ramps etc and then activating i think a pikachu uh, logo with the red cheats of pikachu replaced with a two and a five um and we know that katie perry will somehow be involved in the <laughs> media franchise there's like a hint oh. of a song at the end of the trailer which i think she just sings electricity they're um, going to do a special event where you can catch Katy Perry in the games. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Um, 
Yeah, they haven't announced really what's happening. This is quite a busy year for uh, Nintendo. Um, they're coming off of the 35th anniversary of Mario last year, um, which all culminates, culminates with some horrifying Mario genocide in March, where all of their Mario products are being taken off the shelves. Yeah, everything's <laughs> um, limited release, which... Um... It's really annoying. Do you think everyone in Super Nintendo world will just like disappear? <laughs> they'll go through the door on the ride and then just like, it'll be like the Pied Piper of Hamelin and they'll be vanished into a cave. Would genuinely not be surprised uh, if Nintendo just closed Nintendo world in in March going, well, you should have come. <laughs> um, yeah. There's huge speculation that this is being done because in April they'll begin the 35th anniversary of Zelda celebrations um probably the same deal with timed releases of old tat um and this is also the same year as the 25th anniversary of pokemon which uh like they've announced an announcement um they've Mm. said that there's going to be news soon we do know that there's a new pokemon snap game coming out in april Mm -hmm. um, which looks pretty lovely um and Pokemon works on a kind of um, conveyor belt of products that can't slow down, um, but we don't know what's coming out this year. I know there's lots of rumors, speculation, leaks. My dad works at Game Freak, kind of stuff. <laughs> Nintendo are sort of very ob- obtuse or very secretive, and that kind of works because I think with PlayStation games and things, they announce them like years and years before they uh-huh. come out, and it just becomes crazy. But then on the flip side. You look at Nintendo's 2021 release schedule, there's nothing to be excited about. Yeah, when they do release games super early, it's stuff like Metroid Prime 4. (laughs) They're like, oh, we shouldn't have said that. Um, It has been uh, well over a year since the last actual Nintendo Direct. Mm -hmm. Um, They used to do them all the time, like every couple of months to sort of update you on what's coming out. Um, They've stopped that model. They now do the oh, by the way, this game you've never seen before is coming out in two months model. Um, They did that recently with Paper Mario. And uh, I think it's, I mean, I was just saying before we recording, I'm making a show at Netflix. It's, they also have started um, announcing shows and trailers and stuff, you know, a couple of weeks before the show comes out. Mm. Um, I think maybe as we move towards a model where uh, films come out for streaming. There's this idea that instead of announcing them and trying to maintain the hype and rebuild the hype, if you announce something and release it at the same time as that initial hype, maybe more people will see it. Yeah, I guess there's this sort of fragmentation in terms of when shows come out and how things are released and how that's just sort of affecting things and whether you do a full series drop or episode by episode and how you can sort of maintain the hype. And I think for very sort of high level properties like The Mandalorian and Star Wars or WandaVision and and Marvel, you can have those episode by episode things where you will have that audience being maintained throughout. But if it's an unknown quantity, it's just like drop it and then it'll be the show that everyone talks about for a few weeks and a month rather than, you know, relying on trying to maintain audience viewing figures and interests. And I guess the idea behind that is it keeps the people subscribing. 
I'm a big Godzilla fan, as you well know, and uh, there's been talk about when this Godzilla vs. Kong trailer would be dropping for months and months and months, and they finally release it when it comes out in less than two months. Mm. Um, and it's interesting how much I think memes and social media have actually dictated the film industry because right now I've seen a lot of jokes about, you know, Big Lizard versus Big Monkey. It's actually like engaging the zeitgeist in a way that the last two Godzilla films didn't, I think. Mm. And I think it's kind of smart to like release it as soon after the majority of people become aware this film's even happening as possible. <laughs> Speaking of which, I mean, it's been a year since Pokemon Sword and Shield has come out, and I've still not bought it. <laughs> and uh, I do fear joining now. What, what have you? What's been your experience of the last year of Pokemon Sword or Shield? Interestingly, while Sword and Shields um, may go down as one of the least popular entries on just a pure gameplay. Um, and you know presentation sort of factor i've known a lot of people who think it's the one they've played the most or the longest um it has quite a lot of social and post game stuff they kind of introduced raids in this game which were inspired by pokemon go where um you and either some friends or some online strangers tackle giant pokemon dens and you might get legendaries or shiny pokemon out of it there's a lot more um long lasting things to do in this game um and actually this year is the year where i have completed my living pokedex oh. which i think i may have mentioned on other podcasts but i now have every single pokemon in every single form uh and it, I'm still not happy, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I did it. So, really, so, but Hamish, did you catch them all? I caught them all. Wow! I will admit, you are the ultimate Pokemon master, <laughs> and yet you cannot find happiness in that. No, I I will say some of them feel a bit cheeky. Um, I traded some with some like professional traders who don't get don't care what they get in reverse uh, in return. There's some Pokemon which are like, well, this variant of this butterfly Pokemon only existed for a few months in Japan. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I'm quite sure I have like a few or four, a three or four like dodgy Pokemon. Um, but now they're all in their correct slot in Pokemon Home and I await whenever they give me more to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going to get a, but, a, special, a special letter from the Queen. Yes. It's interesting, though, because in my horde, there are Pokemon in there that I have traded all the way up from... Uh, I think the Game Boy Advance. I don't think you could actually get uh, Pokemon off of the original two games. Um, the first um, big week... The, in the, in, in the, in the uh, fandom, they call it Dexit. <laughs> which is uh, when they cut all those Pokemon. But there was an initial, there was a first Dexit. There was a lot of complaints when Ruby and Sapphire came up that you can transfer Pokemon. Um, so that's just my own personal experience. I've had a fun time doing that. I, got, I think Pokemon's one of these interests for me that really gets very intense and then very um, distant to me. 
It's uh, kind of like when we do these episodes because I completely forget about Pokemon until we start watching the film and then I start looking up how much Sword and Shield costs and then I think I really want to watch Detective Pikachu again and then I ended up watching a few episodes of Sun and Moon before this episode, all this episode and I'm like, I want to be a Pokemon master again. Um, my other interests like Godzilla and all that stuff they, and Doctor Who, they, they sort of are always there but Pokemon really sort of um gets exercised from my body <laughs> completely um in the kind of off seasons um but i know that the second they announce a trailer for something i'm uh going to mention Sinnoh confirmed as a kind of meme at some point um the main sort of i don't know i don't know what we'll get i mean what's sorry interrupting what is Sinnoh confirmed i will mention it later but it's basically a meme that uh, every single thing the Pokemon company does is a secret message that Diamond and Pearl remakes are coming next. Oh, I see. Um, I'll so, so it's like whenever Doctor Who is halfway through its run, it's like, oh, Chris Marshall's going to be the new Doctor. Every yeah, time. <laughs> it's um, and it's an evolution of Hoenn confirmed, which lasted until they did actually make Ruby and Sapphire remakes. Um. It's not. It's not a fun meme. It's a kind of just like it's, it's an like yeah. Every boring entitled. One. Every kind of uh, announcement is just you know like you'll see the sort of uh, replies. It doesn't matter what the news is connected to, but if it's Nintendo, it'll be like next Nintendo Direct when or so and so confirmed for Smash or whatever. It's just relentless. There are YouTube accounts that's whole job is just to make thumbnails saying X confirmed for Smash Brothers. And none of them are. And I wonder who subscribes to this and watches all their videos and isn't like and mm. believes every single one. Um so yeah, I I don't know what's coming. Um whether or not Nintendo whether or not they do make Diamond and Pearl remakes, um it's not like all of these were secret signs. It's just wow, you guessed the way that they do business <laughs> like, they have, like they always have done for 25 years. Um, but like, I just want to say that as it's this massive media franchise, they can't slow down. They have to keep making games because the second they don't release a game with some new Pokemon in, the trading card company and the plush company and all of these other... Uh, the film company, they can't stop making these movies and they always got to have a new Pokemon in them. It, it's, it just can't stop. But that, at the same time, I also feel like it can't continue. Po sell your Pokemon stocks now, then. <laughs> saying we're going to have a great Pokemon crash. The, the the only bit of Pokemon news which has crossed my radar recently is that I think that YouTuber, what's his name, something Paul Logan something. Oh yeah, he bought like five million dollars worth of Pokemon cards. Let's let's actually research this. <laughs> so it's um, two million. Okay, it was it was definitely in the millions. I'm um, just looking at the old news. Yes, so Logan Paul spent two million dollars on six boxes boxes of first edition Pokemon cards sealed, and you know th the way I see things, you should do what makes you happy, <laughs> and it's like for me, speed running. I don't quite get like. I saw I read somebody said they completed Zelda Breath of the Wild from beginning to end without getting a single hit. It took them hours and hours and hours. And, you know, whatever. No, just do what you fancy. But with this Logan Paul thing, I was like, 
you could have spent that money on making the world a better place. <laughs> you could have done literally anything else with that vast amount of money. Not, I don't like to gatekeep. I really don't. Um, but following, but... but following some Pokemon uh, high-profile Pokemon fan accounts and blah blah blah, he did not need to spend that amount of money on what he got. It was. Uh-huh. It's all like a a way to show off the fact that he did have two million dollars. So you know um, the street value. The thing with like the rarity of Pokemon cards is so bizarre because it can never. It's like Beanie Babies. Nothing that mass produced can ever be that valuable. They made a lot of Pokemon cards. Everyone has these cards. Um, I know I'm talking a little bit out of my butt. I don't know the street value. I'm sure he's got some <laughs> super rare things, but it's just. It was more of a, a showing off, and it's I, I don't know. I don't care what Logan Paul does <laughs> with his life. So you're the last of the four young ones starting out on their journeys today. Being a second late for a train or even a Pokemon can be life changing. Does that mean I go on my journey without a Pokemon? Well, there is another. This Pokemon is called Pikachu. Hi, Pikachu. My name's Ash Ketchum. You and I are going to be best friends. What's that? Pikachu? Someday we'll both meet that Pokemon. Pikachu! The legend says the Rainbow Wing will guide you. We've got to get moving and find Hollow! You want to come along with us? You're too soft. Remember, might makes right, and that's it. Let's go, Pikachu! What's way out there? know until you go there. And as long as my buddy's with me, I can go anywhere. Well, um, with all that said, what's here we are, we're doing Pokemon uh, the movie I Choose You, and so we, yet again, we have found a way to not talk about sort of the mainline Pokemon films that we have been doing. Our last proper episode on the last proper film series was um, Pokemon the Movie 3, um, The Secret on the Unknown, and there's there's some interesting, I guess, parallels of this one. So this, this is like, apparently, I read the first... The, the first time Ash's mum has spoken in the film series uh, since Pokemon 3. Okay. Um, also, like, Entei shows up, and it was weird, because, like, I, I listened back to our previous episodes with Entei in that film, and then Entei shows up in this. It's almost like he knew that we'd, I'd been listening about him. <laughs> arguably. Arguably. He didn't show up in the last one, did he? He didn't show up in the last one. This is seeing Entei for real. This is just like, this is a fantasy. Yeah. Um, but also the the big thing about this film, the big thing, um, I guess because it was a celebration of 20 years of Pokemon, 
it's pretty much advertised as a a remake of the first episode. I thought the whole thing was going to be a remake of the first three episodes, but really, it's like the the, the pre title sequence. If this was a Bond movie, the pre title sequence is the first episode of Pokemon. What do we what, what do we think about this? I mean, Japan likes to run IPs into the ground and then keep going and keep going unlike james bond unlike james bond <laughs> well i mean if we're talking james bond then this being the 20th pokemon movie then surely this is the equivalent of die another day they reached out to madonna to do the soundtrack well what i, what I would just say is that so yes the, the reason we're doing this is because with pokemon the media franchise looking back over 25 years we decided well let's look at the moment in the pokemon movie franchise where they decided to sort of do a retrospective a look back um because obviously we've skipped a bunch of movies in order to get to this and we thought well let's go back to the very start so in pokemon the first movie they've already established ash and pikachu and his relationship this movie is in a way a sort of soft reboot like we mentioned with hitman agent 47 in the last episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah those two (laughs) ash ketchum with barcode on the back of his head um no, but it's 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 sort of a a way to like retell and reintroduce the characters, and and since this I choose you movie, the subsequent films have been apart from the Mewtwo Strikes Back CG remake, a kind of alternative timeline, and you sort of think that this was the opportunity to do something like different, and in the end they didn't really do much different. Like it's still the same, like director it's still the same animation studio it's still ash and pikachu and yeah the sort of opening is a uh a retelling of the events of like the first episode of the of the original animation series and then it just kind of goes off and does another fairly standard adventure on top of that as far as my um interpretation of it so i'm not sure as a, as an exercise how successful it is in terms of maybe refreshing but then i didn't see pokemon the movie 19 <laughs> yet so i don't know like quite how the shift is maybe it was a massive clearing of hanger at the end of 19 and be like no we mustn't have the answers <laughs> oh no i mean yes this is the first act of this film it reminded me of like gus van sant's psycho remake which is like Almost shot for shots. But um, I got a bit of a thrill with this, this opening because it's with vastly superior animation. Um, I think the animation is one of the strengths of this film. It's, I think it's oftentimes very, very lovely. And the uh, fighting especially is very, very dynamic. As I said, I watched some episodes of Sun and Moon, which is around, which is around about the time this film was being made. And the animation is still in sun and moon a lot better than in the first seasons of pokemon but still not as dynamic the fighting isn't as dynamic as it is here with we've got some cgi assistance um i mean quite often it is like a close-up of an eye and then tentacles flying at the screen so it does fall into that sort of ebb and flow but um yeah i i did enjoy a lot i did enjoy luxuriating in the pokemon universe in the slightly more uh, beautiful world. I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't I? I too thought this movie was going to be like a retelling of 
the series. I've been I've watched um the Neon Genesis Evangelion rebuild films, which um are it's similar in that basically um the first okay there's a show called neon genesis evangelion and then they recently started remaking it as movies and the first movie is a retelling of um the first chunk of the series but it's weird i don't really like it because it is like this where it's just the same scenes again but with nicer animation but to be honest some of the animation in the um original show has that like nice nostalgic 90s grain to it that makes it kind of warm and fuzzy to me and this sometimes felt quite empty and cold like Mm -hmm. the the sort of remake of episode one is weirdly less cinematic to me than the actual first episode of the show there's less people like there's no one around ever the Mm. music is less intense the the camera angle choices are less dramatic um, even though I admit, I do think the animation is quite nice. And I think, um, one thing I enjoyed was that Ash felt 10 years old where he never really had before. And he, like his proportions and the way he moved around was like always fun to watch. Um, but yeah, to be uh, overall, I feel that whenever this film tried to recreate bits from the show, I was felt quite, I felt quite dissatisfied or confused or. <laughs> not not quite sure why they were even bothering with this so just um, just to clarify in this film at what point does it sort of uh at what point is it the tv series and when does it deviate is it exactly when the titles kick in and then it launches into the other story about ho 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 <laughs> hello basically ho-ho. so the first episode of the tv series ends with ash seeing ho ho um and I also feel like as a kid, I don't know this is all just me grouchy old man talking about why it was better in his youth, but as a kid, <laughs> I had never seen that Pokemon before. And it's, it was, you know, it was magical because I was going into the show thinking I knew everything. And then, whoa, there's a whole new Pokemon. I'm on board. Whereas now I'm like, that's a really old Pokemon that I have <laughs> three of in my, in my Pokemon box. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I did see a comment from the director. This is set in an alternate universe where Ash um, gets the Rainbow Wing mm-hmm. item, which is an item from the game. Um, to be fair, episode one of the show ends that way, and they literally never come back to it. Yeah, um, mm. Ho never got a movie, never got a special, was never in the show, other than you know in, I don't know, murals or backgrounds of legendary Pokemon. So in a way, this is um, a nice idea that for the anniversary, you would uh, like tie up that loose end or like see what would the show be like if they actually addressed that plot point. Um, And I was kind of, I was into it when they were going in that direction. I think I was just a bit confused when, you know, they dedicated... I, I will get to it properly, but when they dedicated part of this episode to like loosely remaking the Bye Bye Butterfree episode, I was like, why mm. is this happening? I don't need this. <laughs> um, and I, I liked when it was its own thing, but then also when it was its own thing, I was confused why it was even a reboot. I guess that's the problem when you have these, I mean, let's sort of talk about in relation to Die Another Day. <laughs> um, but when you have these like, 
uh, oh, we're going to make this movie a sort of celebration and rather than, you know, just giving you a sort of fresh or exciting installment, which is, you know, just actually good on its own, but we're going to try and make it sort of a greatest hits package in that respect. What I liked about this film was how it was a bit back to basics, how it was quite simple. And I really did like the simple approach to the battles, for instance, where it's just trainer versus trainer and Ash is trying to become mm-hmm. a Pokemon master and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, that, that stuff's in the series. But I think that was quite nice to have that, you know, palette cleanser, pun intended, of <laughs> of the uh of the sort of franchise and just get back to what pokemon means to you know the world what pokemon means to the characters what pokemon pikachu especially means to ash etc um but yes it did mean that in the moments where it was retelling uh stuff from the series all it seemed to do was just like, well, we can put more Spiro on screen at once now. So <laughs> let's do that. A Charmander! It doesn't look like it's very happy. Hey, what are you doing out in the rain like this? up about yeah originally i was originally i ditched the weakling there are charmander like that one all over the place but then it just kept following me so i told it to wait here what an awful thing to say ash is right when you've caught a pokemon and then you tell it to wait some of them will actually wait forever so what's the problem hold it Only a Pokemon's strength matters. If it's gonna survive, it better grow stronger. What? Wait, isn't it a trainer's job to help their Pokemon grow strong? Nah. And what do you get for that work anyway? You get to become friends. Huh? You're too soft. The only thing friendship does is make a Pokemon weak. My name is Cross. I'm gonna become the greatest trainer ever. This is this is his film. It is an odd beast because it's like a condensed version of a season of the show. So there's there's not really a big bad to defeat. I mean, Ash decides he wants to meet and fight Oho thirty five minutes in, and you know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I think we've seen like three films where there's like this massive enemy to defeat, or like it's Mewtwo has to be defeated, or whoever that guy was in the, in the mansion in Pokemon, the movie 2000. Um, you know, the, the big, the, 
antagonist is like this dude called Cross who just has a different way of training his Pokemon, basically being horrible. If I don't want to devote five hours to watching all of Pokemon Season X, I can just watch this anime. But I sort of feel like you'd get maybe more enjoyment pound for pound watching like a full season than necessarily this movie. I think this is def- I think generally this is one of the better Pokemon movies that we've watched um because of what it has learned from previous film installments. But um it's also missing a little spark and I'm missing a little humor focus. I don't know. Focus was definitely a problem for me. I did there's actually lots of things I did like in it and I'll get to them. And whenever they happened, it made me a little sad that the rest of the movie wasn't this. I actually, I mean, like, I was kind of pleased when I realized that, oh, just the opening is the first episode. And now we'll go off on this alternate pathway. Um, and yeah, I liked how simple it was <laughs> in, to some degree. But it was just so meandering to me. I think it did feel like a condensed season. Um well, I just mentioned Bye Bye Butterfree. Um, it's an episode of the show that is kind of emotional. It's uh, Ash saying goodbye to the first Pokemon he ever caught. Um, but in the movie version, Caterpie is someone we get introduced to in a montage. Mm. And only is we only are shown Caterpie um, and Butterfree in moments when it evolves. And then he says goodbye to it. Like... It felt like a lot of screen real estate was being taken up to telling me, remember this, remember this. I'm like, yeah, I remember when I was crying and I'm not now. (laughs) It does sort of seem like it's, yeah, the way it's sort of framed is less like this emotional goodbye to someone who's, you know, a Pokemon that's been with you from the very start of your journey. And it's more just like, uh, some skirt shows up and breaks up the bro squad. (laughs) (laughs) That's meant in a ironic fashion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Metapod, you were awesome. Metapod. We're making it sound like this is there's a lot of this film is a remake, but it really is, I believe, just the Butterfree stuff and the opening section. There's a, I don't know. If there's, oh, and I guess there's, also, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of times where it's just they encounter a bunch of angry Pokemon and flee, which seems like. That happens quite a lot in the TV show. <laughs> and there's just a lot of moments where it's just like, oh, we've encountered a bunch of Primeape. Oh, they're chasing after us. Okay. Well, the other major episode it draws from is the Charmander origin story yes. thing. And I think, to be to be honest, I think if you are going to do a show, a movie about Ash's, like retelling Ash's thing, I think his relationship with Butterfree and Charizard are the most memorable outside of Pikachu. Um, so they do, and I got a little emotional because I think Charmander's cute. <laughs> um, well, I think you've mentioned before that Charmander is one of the most highly pop, most popular Pokemon, and I really felt that this was a lot of Charmander's story. Um, yes, in 2020, um, Charizard came fourth of the poll of most popular Pokemon ever. Um, oh. this might give you some extra context. Lucario came second, yeah. I've never really played a Pokemon game with Lucario in it, so he looked cool. He's got a spike in his chest for some reason, <laughs> um, but he's just in this film. He's quite stoic. He's always hanging out with um, 
with his uh, t- trainer. And when the guy said, the trainer said his name, I thought he said his name was Sorrow, not Sorrel. Um, I thought, Jesus Christ, that guy's called Sorrow. <laughs> what a mi- well, imagine putting that on the birth certificate. <laughs> Sorrel said a couple of things that I misinterpreted as more badass than they ended up being. <laughs> there's a scene where he says, like, there's, a rain- there's rain coming, better get inside. And I thought he was meaning, like, thematically, but no, then rain happens, and he's just, like, <laughs> good at telling when weather is coming. <laughs> <laughs> but I wondered whether, like, Lucario's inclusion and Incineroar as well, because they're both Smash Brothers-featured Pokemon mm-hmm. and like are their inclusion here like quite prominently because of their popularity because of Smash Brothers or you know just coincidence they're usually in Smash Brothers because of their popularity um I've always found the the Pokemon Smash Brothers chooses quite strange but when you read the polls like the the one that won the Pokemon that won the 2020 best Pokemon poll was Greninja weirdly Oh, also um, from Smash Brothers. I mean, actually, Incineroar and Greninja, I think, were added to Smash Brothers before they're, like, in the development of the game, before their games came out, but they sort of... I think they kind of know what's going to be popular. Um, I have to say, I was kind of thrown when I first saw Lucario and realised that this wouldn't all be Gen 1 Pokemon. Yeah, I guess that's, like, one of the biggest changes is that in this alternative you know, reboot again with the benefit of having 20 films worth of hindsight beforehand is that they can populate the Pokemon world with um, hundreds of additional Pokemon which have been introduced since. See, this is why I thought Sinnoh confirmed. So, (laughs) generally the Pokemon company favours Gen 1 Pokemon. Just in general, they sell better, people recognise them most. So whenever they start seemingly favoriting another generation's Pokemon, um, the rumors start picking up that they're making Diamond and Pearl remakes. And uh, Lucario and Piplup is another Pokemon we see. Mm. Um, They're the sort of main Pokemon of Ash's new friends, and they're both Sinnoh um, Gen 4 Pokemon. Um. They're both from Sinnoh. Um, the characters introduce themselves as coming from Twinleaf and Veilstone, which are both from Sinnoh. I think and... it's stupid. Sinnoh is the island, like Kanto. And... Well, Sinnoh is a region. It's based on Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the games, is meant to be more mountainous and cold. So there was a beef. There's like a bit when they were exploring a forest and then there's an onyx. I thought maybe the film was meant to be set in Sinnoh. But it was filmed in Toronto, like everything else. <laughs> yes. It was filmed in Sanoa, but it's actually set in Canada. <laughs> so, like, so do you think because of this, like, anticipation for potential remake of Sinnoh and stuff, like, this film was answering to the fans in a, in a certain respect? Or do you think it was just coincidental and it's just adding more, um, is it grist to the mill or... I don't know, more fuel to the fire to get people incited? Because Diamond and Pearl, is that Suisun and... No, no, this is the thing. I think it's patterns because you could just as easily say that they're going to do Johto remakes because Ho-Oh is from Johto. There's a lot of Johto gold and silver stuff in this. Mm. Um, also, like every Pokemon film, it needs to advertise new Pokemon. So I think 
I think this was Incineroar's first uh, debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a Pokemon called Marshadow, which I think's the like the Pokemon of the movie that we're gonna give away when you come to <laughs> um, when you come to see it. So I don't know, seeing patterns and stuff. But I did think it was interesting that they were both from Sinnoh and both had Diamond and Pearl Pokemon as their trademarks because I never like those games too much well i guess we should just quickly talk about so ash encounters two potential pokemon rivals while they're chasing after entei um and these are the aforementioned sorrel with his lucario and also verity with her piplup and they become the sort of de facto misty and brock of this film and yeah i thought it was brock Brock is not in this film. No, there's in the there's a montage during the titles, and I thought I saw Ash saying goodbye to somebody who looked like Brock, and I just I just sat up and was like, I beg your fucking pardon. <laughs> like, where's Brock? But the, all his companions from the show they show up in the credits at the end in a sort of like in memoriam type sequence. It's a bit strange. They all um, sort of they're all approached from behind. And they all sort of turn around and have like a strange expression, like "Hello, can I help you?" It's it's like like the the Avengers Endgame credits. Yeah, like Brock's signature appears <laughs> and flies at the screen. <laughs> you continue, Rory. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, what do we think generally about Verity and Sorrel and whether they can compete with Brock and Misty? Well, to my surprise. I really like them. And when when Verity first shows up in the Pokemon Center, Ash is taking his Pikachu to be looked at. Team Rocket are also there. And that's kind of how Team Rocket are for the whole film. Team Rocket are also there. But when Verity shows up, I'm like, who the fuck is this girl? <laughs> but the more we get to know them, I kind of got the impression they're like kind of real people. And I think they're also more Ash's age. And so that was quite nice that he was like, he's got, um, sort of peers. I always got the impression that he's always hanging out with two gym trainers, like with Misty and Brock. So they seem just a little bit more advanced, a little bit older than Ash was. And um, yeah, we also, with this triumvirate, um, or tri- sorry, with this trifecta, we've got like the three types of, of Pokemon owners. So we've got Ash, who's like the collector, the trainer. We've got uh, Sorrel, who's the scientist. And we've got Verity, who's um the girl. <laughs> <laughs> character but um i don't know something about their performance something about their, their design i thought they looked a bit modern and a bit cool so i don't know why i liked them i liked them too um i felt they were a reflection more of the way um the pokemon games are these days where you often mm. have friend characters who aren't your rivals um in the early games you really did only just talk to gary who would just come and be mean to you whereas now you typically have these kind of companions who you just keep checking in with and they usually are your you know your age um i liked them too i i felt like there's this brief moment where verity mentions her mum. yeah uh and like that was a nice p- bit of performance i thought she'd like the actress did a a nice choice of how she talked about her mum. but then it doesn't really go anywhere <laughs> then she decides that she's resolved that and uh says you know what i was i have changed my mind um and sorrel is interesting because he gives the performance of someone who's kind of aloof and distant but he's very caring and um 
I liked them despite not wanting to. He has a very tragic like backstory. He's mentioned <laughs> that so tragic. He mentions that when growing up he had a Luxray, which is like a kind of big cat Pokemon. And then Sorrel goes out into the snow very cold and gets lost. For Luxray finds him and then wraps itself around him to keep him warm. And then in the morning, Sorrel wakes up and is found by some fellow humans. And Luxray has frozen to death in the snow. <laughs> when I saw this bit happening, I was writing this fun little bit where it says, Oh, Luxray appears and then. Sorrel cuts open Luxray's belly to hide inside like an empire strikes back. But this is worse. <laughs> I was not expecting it to go dark. And I see in the trivia section of Internet Movie Database that this is the only time in Pokemon where a Pokemon dies without being resurrected in some way. Um, I think we saw in the, one of the short films attached to Meteor Strikes Back that like there are dead Pokemon, but they'd come back as some sort of artificial ghosts or something like that. I think it did get um, resurrected, but in a sort of taxidermy way <laughs> and is now on display <laughs> in Sorrel's family home. Another fun fact in the IMDb trivia section, it says here, Ash is seen in heaven once. <laughs> <laughs> if for those who are counting. <laughs> um, yeah, like, you know, they might not go too far. We might not do much with this characterization, but I think we learn more about these characters than we ever did with Brock. Like, what about all his I, family and his dad and his Brock, horniness? Brock have family. Yeah, <laughs> he had like yeah, he had to look after like hundreds of brothers and sisters because his dad abandoned him. All right, I forgot that. <laughs> um, that also explains a lot. He's, yeah, he's, it does. He's got he's got dad issues. Um. It turns out his dad like lived in the town. He just couldn't be bothered to raise the kids. <laughs> Deadbeat dad. Um, Relatable. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things I got is that this did feel like a big pilot special for a series, and I kind of would have followed these characters more, but I don't think we'll ever see them again because they're like their canon is dubious. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, the film ends with all our, with all these heroes. They're at like a crossroads and they all split up. They say their goodbyes. And luckily they all go their separate ways. They don't have to spend like an awkward couple of hours walking along the same path, having said that. <laughs> but yeah, I think in terms of like hangovers from the, in, from the original, uh, we did mention briefly, but as you say, they only appear briefly and it's team rocket. And I would never have thought I would have seen a film where I thought, Actually, this would have benefited without Team Rocket being here because they're so superfluous. And I know there was a change of voice cast since, but Jesse voice, it's fine. James voice, nah, -uh. Meowth in the middle. And it just never feels like Team Rocket and they're never funny and they don't do anything. And it's so disappointing. <laughs> Also, their evil scheme is that they want to catch Ho-Oh. Ash's goal in this movie is that he wants to catch Ho-Oh. Yeah, that's um very true. Like, he wants to, yet again, he wants to find and beat God. <laughs> yes. And, and they um, want to do it for profit. If you're good at something, don't do it for free, is the saying. Um, but yes, I agree, it's tragic to, to admit this, but 
this is the first p- Pokemon film where I was like, I don't want to see Team Rocket because Ash doesn't. It, it's different if Ash is aware of their existence, but he really isn't. They're just yeah. and like the first the first time they spend the whole film either falling or being blasted off into space, saying Team Rocket's blasting off again, which is kind of their thing, admittedly. But they say that the very first time it happens, which makes me think, have they been... How many times have they blasted off before we meet them? They have actually crossed over from the main timeline. Um, True. Now lost. That'd be good. Um, They're into I, this pokerverse. <laughs> I, uh, I, I agree. I think they should have been cut. The only way that I think they could have been interesting is if, in true reboot fashion, they had tried to make them threatening again, because... In mm. Team Rocket's first appearance, which is the second episode, um, they do attempt to make them villainous and scary. Um, I say scary. They, like, blow up a hospital, which is pretty dark. But Just <laughs> like the Joker in the Dark Knight. Yes, they are, you know... Actually, Joaquin Phoenix would be a great James. Um, <laughs> My finest <laughs> role. Just FYI. Yeah, I think that could have been interesting, but there's just no room for them. I mean, I would fully watch a 100% Team Rocket movie where it's all about them. And it could be like, in the first five minutes of the film, they get blasted off into space and it could deal with their whole like return to Earth. How they collapse into a crater and they have to nurse themselves back to health. <laughs> and you know, they get visits from their parents and things. And Jesse has to have some back surgery. And they <laughs> finally manage to <laughs> get back to... Um, you know, Pallet Town to challenge Ash again, and then they're like thrown into a chasm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they just, I know you said before that it's kind of a running joke in the film, so there's nowhere really for Team Rocket, but it felt very apparent here that they were, they were just there because they had to be. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. But I guess the other sort of the antagonist slot has been filled in this with. Uh, as we mentioned, the bad trainer Cross, who has ditched his Charmander and left it out in the rain, um, thereby dooming it to die effectively. Um, but he just hangs around with this like emo wolf Pokemon, which just like stands <laughs> there the whole time and just doesn't do anything at all for like the bulk of the movie. Um, and does he have? Use it in a battle. I think it just gets possessed at the end and starts biting his arm. Nice to meet you. I'm Verity. I'm Sorrel. <sighs> I hope Ash hasn't been causing you too much trouble. Oh well, he's rambunctious, but he's got a big heart. I hope you'll all be good friends. Mom, I wish it'd stop worrying. Sorrel, you find anything? Yes, this is an excellent book. So well researched. Listen. From high above, Ho-Oh watched over the many works of people and of Pokemon, and they experienced the aura of happiness, and they received energy from it. And yet, the heart of evil stole strength from it. What's that? When the rainbow wing touches the heart of evil, its color vanishes. The heart of evil? Its color vanishes? Huh? Looks like mine's just fine. 
Like your mom said, you may be a little rambunctious, but you sure don't have an evil heart. That's right, because I'm big-hearted and rambunctious. <laughs> Knock it off! <laughs> That's not nice. Quit I've got a question. You mentioned die. I think, Hamish, you have told us this before, but can, can Pokemon die? Yes. Because, okay. From because... the very first game, you go to Lavender Town Graveyard for dead Pokemon. Oh, yeah, you fight okay. Cubone, who... Um, is like battling it, there's a whole plot about a cubone and its dead mother so it's definitely part of the games um because you know in the first ash's first day with a pikachu pikachu almost dies and i did wonder if professor oak would let him have another pokemon if it happened <laughs> like i killed this one do you have another um and yeah you know it's just just weird things like as you say child charmander has been left out in the rain to die but it's a really weird bit where they try and nurse Charmander back to help. They wrap him up to keep him warm because he must be kept warm. But they also put a cold yes, a cold towel on his head. So he's running a bit hot and cold. It's a bit weird. Do we know it's cold? Maybe it's hot. You don't to know. put cold towels on people's heads, do you? Wet towel, maybe. This I don't know. All I enjoyed was the fact that Lucario was standing behind with a towel in its arms. Like it was, I don't know, at a massage parlor or or something. And it's, it's also that that scene where they're trying to nurse Charizard back to health, where um, the Pokemon, none of the Pokemon want to go in their Pokeballs. Famously, Pikachu doesn't like to go in his Pokeball, and this this becomes a very big thing towards the end. But um, there's a scene when no Pokemon wants to go in their Pokeballs, and I thought we're going to get like a Rise of the Planet of the Apes thing where. They go, you know, get into your balls, you damn dirty Pokemon. And Pikachu goes, no! <laughs> or something like that. But what do we think about Cross as a character? It was quite nice that he was just a shit. <laughs> he was, His he defining was characteristic is he's a big asshole. I mean, the finale lit the big last half hour finale of this film would not happen if he just let Ash take a magic rainbow feather to touch a magic rainbow rock <laughs> if you just let that happen but he doesn't and so... but it's weird because like that so there's this whole prophecy and the reason that ash is on his journey is that he stopped this rainbow when he needs to get to this mountain to put it on this rock and thereby summon ho oh so he can have a battle because he says he battles pokemon because he wants to make friends with all kinds of pokemon which is in of itself a strange message but um, they also, in their research, determined that someone like uh, the wing cannot touch a heart of evil. And <laughs> when Cross steals Ash's rainbow wing and sticks it on the rock, it just proves he has a heart of evil. And I mean, like, there's there's a difference between oh, he's just a bad egg, and he has a heart of evil. <laughs> like when they're reading about this heart of evil prophecy in a book, Cross's. Uh, in the background, going like, hmm, that sounds like me. <laughs> Heart of Evil, eh? There is one of my favorite, I think my favorite line in the film, though, is when a dejected Ash says, I thought I was the rainbow hero. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of prophecies that end up being Ash. Although I don't. Mm. Well, that's the thing is that, like, Ash in this film, um, what I did like is that he is kind of a flawed protagonist and it's sort of a reminder of the ash i think from the series as well is that he is a bit cocky 
Um, and he does need his friends and his fellow Pokemon to sort of bring him down a peg or like to, you know, support him. Mm. And, and, you know, there is a sort of sense of doubt. I mean, it is counteracted by the fact that he is also, once again, the chosen one. Um, but, <laughs> you know, in order for him to get to where he needs to be, you know, he does have to face and accept defeat. And um, I think the best battle, to my mind, of the film is when he is against um, Cross. And you do have the Charmeleon that evolved from the abandoned Charmander against the Incineroar. And it's just like a very simple Pokemon battle, but it's very clean. It's dynamic. Um, I think it's well put together. And Ash loses that battle and then sort of runs off into the forest and starts you know saying oh if only my first pokemon had been squirtle or bulbasaur right in pikachu's earshot i i I had a shocked face then i couldn't believe what i was hearing evil ash i will say his like evil tirade does start with him saying um oh i should have used pikachu back then in that fight and his friends schooled him for even saying that like what if charmeleon heard that but it's one of these things a bit like the villain in the second movie who just wanted to collect them all where (laughs) i'm not sure how i as a pokemon game player am supposed to learn from this film because yeah i know i have said many times oh i should have used that other pokemon instead like that's how you play the game yeah but it's not about all about picking your best friends it's about like which type you use against which type i mean yes it's, it's slightly confusing because when uh, Ash is trying to convince Char- Charmander to be be with him, he says, I'll look after you, Charmander. I'll be your friend, Charmander. And Charmander agrees and goes inside a Pokemon ball. And then Ash immediately says, yes, I got a Charmander. <laughs> and I think, if Charmander heard that, it'd be like, oh, I see. That's gross. And yeah, towards the end, there's a bit of mixed messaging because Cross's thesis is its power over everything else. Effectively, Cross says, um, I will fight you because only the strongest gets to fight Oo." And then Ash says, that's not how it works. And I will defeat you to prove it <laughs> in so many words. So it's like, you're kind of proving Cross's point. I mean, I think all of the Pokemon media franchise, uh, or all of the anime is just trying to tell you to use your items because... That you get all of these like stat boosting items in the games that no one ever uses. I forgot that, yeah. Um, and it's just like it's not just strength. Use an X defense occasionally. But the the films have always been, and the anime, been very wishy washy about the logic of Pokemon. I mean, you've mentioned before how sometimes Pokemon use moves they can't possibly use, but also frequently in this film, Pokemon get exhausted at the end of battles, and then like a minute later, they're ready to go again. I mean after the big finale where basically Pikachu sort of thunder griefs Ash back to life and gets rid of all the clouds and they have the most exhausting Pokemon battle ever. Um, He's like ready to go a minute later to fight Cross. Yeah. Hey, guess what? It's a cartoon. (laughs) I just noticed this. It's like, yes, where you sort of, it's like um, the old uh, Looney Tunes where Wily Coyote isn't burned to a crisp for every single episode following his first incineration. I saw a great painting someone had done of it's called The Death of Roadrunner and it's it's a painting of 
of the room which uh, Barack Obama and Biden and Hillary Clinton are seeing the uh, killing of Osama bin Laden, but it's like <laughs> Wiley e. Coyote and all the Looney Tunes like sat there looking at the screen all with the same expressions. <laughs> Who's who is Wiley e. Coyote in this picture? I think who, he's Obama, human character. Okay, well, um, I don't know how we got there, <laughs> but we're, we're here now. Um, I mean, I've noticed that crucially, we've not actually talked about the plot of this film, but I think it's kind of almost there's no real real reason to talk about the plot. It's kind of got these four movements. We've got the remake of the first episode sort of 30 minutes of ash and co titting about the forest and bumping into entei a few times and then there's this sort of loose quest to the mountain is it like the rainbow mountain i'm gonna i mean this is a very rainbow heavy movie i'll just say and i think they encounter a researcher called is it banji dr banji banji Okay, yeah. who's been going on the quest for 20 years. Um, I guess waiting up a mountain until a kid brings him a feather. Well, he's been waiting for 20 years, and this being the 20th Pokemon movie, it's interesting that his hat looks oh, like yeah. red mm-hmm. from Pokemon Red. Yes, oh. and... I actually thought it was very sweet at the end because he's been looking, waiting for this rainbow hero and Marshadow has to like sort of challenge the soul of the rainbow hero, I think. I, I'm not quite sure. But at the end, it's implied that he is the rain, that Bonji has been the rainbow hero the whole time. But that's what I read into it because Marshadow is like in his shadow and he's been waiting this whole time. But actually, he is you, the audience who played Pokemon 20 years ago. I completely missed that, I must say. <laughs> what is the deal with Marshadow? Marshadow is a uh, mythical Pokemon. So legendary and mythical Pokemon are different. Um, I see. Legendary are the Pokemon that are the box art. They are in the game. And then mythical are things like Mew and Celebi who kind of just get given in, a, in events and stuff. And uh-huh. uh, they are essentially built to um advertise movies <laughs> so um, you just kind of type in a code and then you get this pokemon with like no backstory that like okay i guess it's special somehow um so this was the marshadow movie marshadow is a in a is in smash brothers as an assist trophy or as a pokemon that you can summon um i quite like its design i think it's hmm. i sort of feel like it's uh riffing a little bit on um yokai watch type designs yeah that sort um, of mitts of creepy and cute like the uh kawaii monster chari piamu piamu aesthetic yes <laughs> um, <laughs> i do i quite like it but um can uh, it, it leads to some of my favorite parts of the film and i would like to talk about ash's dream Yes, this goes pretty weird. I mean, the Pokemon films often have a lot of weirdness. Let's not forget that bit when a little girl inhabits the body of a grown woman to fight Brock um, for some reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Are you sure that was Brock's dream? Or... Maybe. Um, but it's around about this time when Ash is having a bit of grief about not being the rainbow hero and having upset 
having lost to Cross, that I think that ghostly Pokemon whispers in his ear and he has this weird dream about a world about Pokemon. So this was my favourite part of the film, and this is what I was referring to earlier about I kind like I kind of wish this was the film, but I understand why advertising a Pokemon film around not having any Pokemon in is <laughs> um, a hard sell. But it was unnerving to see mm. any Pokemon anime where they weren't saying the word Pokemon for like an extended period of time. <laughs> There's a bit where so essentially Ash is in school and Pokemon don't exist. And they started talking about the sun and saying like, oh no, rainbows are like caused by reflections of sunlight and stuff and not rainbows are caused by Ho-Oh and it's magical trails across the sky. And Ash thinks he sees Ho-Oh in the sky, but it turns out it's a plane. Mm. That- there was lots of cute background details, weren't there? In his bedroom, he has a poster of Pokemon at the start of the film, but in this dream, he's got a red, green and blue car on his wall instead yeah. and then i noticed i noticed um professor oak at the start of this film had a a watering can and i was i was writing this note i couldn't remember what a watering can was called i wanted to call it like a a garden teapot or a, <laughs> or a water a water trumpet or something but in the in the start of the film it's a squirtle watering can but here it's just a bog standard watering can it's really it's a little bit insidious isn't it it was creepy in a way that I didn't think they'd ever go. And like, it made me kind of long for a film. Maybe we'll get to this where like, they have a kind of um, House of M, no more mutants type, like <laughs> Pokemon get erased from history and our characters feel unfulfilled and, and, and strange. Like there's a bit when Ash is on top of the, Bill of the school and he's looking out to the world and they definitely made the world look more realistic mm. like it, mm. it just looks like japan and it was kind of creepy and they were talk and like you know it was weird to hear ash say a sentence like i need to go out and explore the world and see what's out there and see people and places but never mention pokemon <laughs> just mm. because it's so ingrained that that's just how the show is written it was definitely a moment where I like I sat up and was like actually paying attention and hanging off every single line. It sort of reminded me a little bit of like uh, without going into much sort of detail and spoilers, but um, aspects of Dragon Quest, your story as well, which I greatly enjoyed. But also, does um does Digimon deal with that stuff a bit? I think there's like a newer Digimon movie, isn't it, where it's like all the characters grown up and like the death of the little T Rex one or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I haven't been following Digimon for a very, very long time. Spoilers, Rory. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I mean... don't know. I'm just basing it on trailers <laughs> and inferred um, atmosphere and tone. Cultural osmosis. Yeah. But yeah, I appreciated how this these dreams were desaturated. So world a world about Pokemon is less vibrant. And um, we kind of return to this dream space a little bit later as well, when Ash is sort of... I think he's dead. I mean, he gets at the end of the film, as kind of seems to be par for the course, he, he runs into, I don't know, 14 Pokemon shooting their energy beams at him. How and... many times has Ash's tactic of just running in front of something, stretching his arms out and saying, I'm Ash from Pallet Town. How often has that worked? Because it does work once in this movie against Onyx. 
<laughs> that's true. He thought it was worth another like a uh, flip of the coin, roll of the dice. I mean, the real world equivalent is like he gets simultaneously bitten by a snake, gored by a rhino, slashed by a tiger, and sat on by a bear. Like all their attacks out all at once, and um, but it completely decimates him, and he he fades away. There's not even a body for Pikachu to cry his magic tears on. I thought there was just before that there was like a, a battle where it is Charizard, um, the evolved Charmeleon versus Incineroar. And there's this huge, massive flamethrower fireball launching at the Incineroar. <laughs> and I expected like the next scene to sort of like cut and it'd be Incineroar as Sarah Connor in her T2 nightmare <laughs> with a nuclear blast. And it's just Incineroar screaming and turning into a skeleton. Are we sure Pokemon don't get hurt in battles? <laughs> It is that franchise which skirts the line between like cutesy poo video games and you know cockfights, which is always quite true. But then at the very end, like you know, Ash and Pikachu do have a battle with Ho Oh as a way to say hello, and it's just like you're fighting again. They're so excited to be fighting against this like godlike bird creature, and then afterwards they're at the Pokemon Center, and it's just like oh yeah, like. <laughs> We had a lovely scrap, even though they've just been potentially obliterated by forces beyond their comprehension. Well, they don't actually mention this, but that's an entirely new Pikachu <laughs> that Ash has. <laughs> the first Pikachu was completely destroyed by the godlike power of a rainbow Pokemon. But I did like Nurse Joy's reaction at that point, because she's like, oh, who'd you fight? And Ash is like, yeah, we fought Ho-Oh. And she's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Well, the same sort of thing happens towards the start of the film when somebody comes in having just tried to fight Entei. And I think literally moments before they said, no one's ever seen Entei. This is just random dude pops in and goes like, oh, I've, I fought him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he actually was fighting um, a Magikarp and his crap Pokemon was decimated and he just didn't want to be that, he didn't want to be that ashamed. He said, uh, oh, yeah, it was like an Entei destroyed him. <laughs> yeah, Entei. In my living Pokedex, I have several um, gods, several <laughs> gods of time, space, and matter, of the sea, of the land, and then I have about five full-on creator gods, um, just taking up space. <laughs> Why don't you just delete one and see, feel the power of a thrill? Um, like, I noticed conspicuously there's no Pokedex action in this. Like, Ash doesn't have a Pokedex. No. Just... Well, that's an odd thing. Just an odd thing to me as a old Pokemon fan. He never once asks what a Pokemon is. He seems to know all of them. I mean, he, he we get the impression that he's been learning about Pokemon for the first nine years of his life, and then his very first day out, he doesn't know how to catch a Pokemon. He just throws a ball at a Pokemon right away, which again, he's just done no research about how to do it. <laughs> um, he's also everyone. Everyone. I mean, everyone seems surprised when a Pokemon evolves into what they they are going to evolve into. Like when, when Charmeleon turns into Charizard, they go, oh, he's evolved into a Charizard. Like it, if it could evolve into anything else, it's like being surprised that a teenager turns into a grown adult. Well, so, they do grow up so quickly. Well, again, they I'm assuming they had loads of Pokemon battles off screen because all these Pokemon seem to evolve after like fighting for five minutes. The way that we were with our dog, if Teasel, like, you know, fell over, we'd go, oh my god, you did it! Like, <laughs> I think you're just watching people who love their pets 
That's true. Because I guess this is this is kind of how I feel about the film. It's a sort of boy and his dog sort of film. And I just wanted to hug my cats at the end of this film. And it is, I mean, it's a bit sad that Ash's best friend is an animal. And also, he wants to be friends of all the Pokemon, but wants, he also wants them to fight. So it's like a zookeeper who only collected animals in order to make them battle each other. Um, but it is quite sweet. And um, I think that's the vibe I got. haven't even gotten to like the big big thing the sort of paradigm shift is a paradigm shift (laughs) the moment (laughs) the the moment of what happens when when pikachu speaks english or whatever country you're listening to the dub in um i think this is the first time i ever heard about this film was when somebody said pikachu talks and I've actually found like the YouTube clip I saw and like the audience is shown in the cinema. And when Pikachu says English, one of the guy in the audience goes, the fuck? <laughs> English. Um, it hits a little bit differently after uh, Detective Pikachu. I'll give it that. Yeah, it's not Ryan Reynolds. Um, I also, now I've seen the film in context, it's, to me, very obviously in Ash's head, because yes, yes, oh yeah, it's also it doesn't make focus. any sense because no. he didn't want to get into his Pokeball when he hated Ash. Yeah, so that's bullshit. I mean, yes, Pikachu could have changed his mind, but uh, yeah, in the moment, it's like, oh, that's sweet. He doesn't want to go into his ball because he doesn't want to be away from Ash. But no, he, P- Professor Oak, literally says, I wrote this down. <laughs> It's Pikachu hates getting into any sort of Pokeball. And um, yeah, I call bullshit on Pikachu there. <laughs> I don't know whether it's like in Ash's head or in Pikachu's head. And we're just hearing Pikachu's inner thoughts. <laughs> like this is translating for the audience what Pikachu is saying. But I don't think Ash knows one way or another because there's no follow-up or context beyond that. I think it is just like... In actual sense, it would be Peter Chu's just saying Peter Peter again, but it's just we get an insight into the inner workings of Peter Chu's mind uh, in that moment, <laughs> which is how I interpret it. I do appreciate that for an anniversary film, they try to have something like a moment that they've never done before. Um, it makes me think of, you know, Doctor Who anniversary specials or. Um, things like that where like it could have very easily just been another movie and even though the reboot aspect kind of 
doesn't work totally for me. I think the focus on Ash and Pikachu, and I think that little moment does give it um, a reason to exist in a way. Yeah, this is the one where where Pikachu talks. I'll always remember that. Yeah, but also it relates to the title because the title of the movie is a reference to the first episode of the series, right? Um, and the idea is you think, oh, Pokemon the movie, I choose you because that's what Ash always says. So he's chosen Pikachu. But in this moment, Pikachu has chosen Ash. Yeah, he's been fully brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the first Pokemon film, which Japanese title doesn't have the name of a Pokemon in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Professor Oak. Meanwhile, in the afterlife, Ash is there and... I just thought this, he, he's kind of, he's running around in the field as Ash, and then he hears Pikachu's voice to get Pikachu to call him back. And It's a bit like Gladiator. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes. like hand against uh, the, the wheat in the field or something. Your, your hand against the wheat in the field, and then... <laughs> I just love to hear a kid explain the end of this film, because it's quite existential and i think i'd find the a kid describing what goes on at the end of this film a lot more entertaining than actually watching the end of this film but you know i sound a bit negative there but i still i'm, I'm usually a bit down when a film is just fighting 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 but i still found the fights quite exciting to watch so um thumbs up <laughs> You've turned me around to this film a little bit. I do think there was moments that I appreciated. Um, I'm still... I don't think I like Pokemon films. <laughs> so thanks for appearing on now four Pokemon movie episodes, not including Detective Pikachu. No, I just... I don't know. I do think this had merit over the other ones. I was, I was forgetting the context of the other ones I had to watch. I do think this is worthy noteworthy i suppose i think i preferred it over pokemon the movie 2000 and pokemon 3 because even though it completely has no good team rocket content unlike those two i think i just liked how as i said it, it is a bit more stripped back it does try and reflect on how Pokemon uh, originated and where it's come from. And yes, I can give it a little bit of a benefit of the doubt in terms of being a sort of celebratory anniversary installment of the franchise. I'd be interested to see the next two films. The most um, recent one just came out in Japan on Christmas Day um, last year, uh, which... And that's of this, this timeline, yeah. the Kelvin... <laughs> The Kelvin verse, like in Star Trek. Yeah, so this continues this like alternate run, but um, yeah, I'd just be sort of interested to see how where they go from here in that respect. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, it's it's fine, but you know, it's a Pokemon movie. What I was expecting is actually covered in a thing called Pokemon Origins, which is a special. I think it's a 90 minute TV special. Um, it's not animated by the regular team mm. and it completely reboots everything. So it follows red. 
mm. and it's uh, designed to follow the plotline and the the logic and everything of the games very strictly. Um, like, and I, and I know that's quite popular with some people because it's, you know, it's just like the games, but it's boring in its own way because <laughs> <laughs> I played those games. So um, I was expecting a little bit more maybe that. Yeah, it does seem to maybe like squander the opportunity to have a refresh, like the fact that it is the same creative team and it's Ash and Pikachu and all that kind of stuff. It's like, what if it, you know, like in the dream sequence, it's like, what if it's a world without Pokemon and, you know, how that gets interpreted? Or what if Ash picked a different starter Pokemon or something and like Pikachu's yeah. left you know, running around Professor Oates' lab, or <laughs> I don't know. They've done a few other things. Like, they did an re episode recently, which was like a Pikachu origin story, and uh, it was about, it was like a random standalone episode about Pichu, and then at the end, he like evolved and got captured by Oak. And it was oh, like, okay. a... <gasps> oh, I totally want to watch that I one. Thought, uh, uh, yeah. I thought, would it have been that Pichu's parents were killed in the back alley of a cinema? Yeah. <laughs> or a theatre? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it sort of explains a little bit more about why he doesn't like a Pokeball or or something. I can't remember. Um, there's also, uh, but I mean, there's other ways to celebrate. I think I I think I would have maybe enjoyed a bit more what ifs. And I guess this is answering the what if we actually um, continued that plotline we set up. Um, there's another infamous abandoned plotline in Pokemon. Do you remember the GS ball? I think so. What does that do again? Ash got given this GS ball, which uh, is gold and silver, and he gets given it and told to take it to a professor, and they literally forgot about that plotline, and he still <laughs> presumably has it. Um, I've seen in an interview that was meant to contain Celebi, but the people making the movies had a different plot, so they just abandoned it. I think that would maybe be an interesting what if, or like a bit more dramatic, dramatic, like what if there's no Pokemon or what if, um, I know that the Pokemon company was debating whether they wanted Pikachu or Clefairy to be like the main Pokemon. And, uh, wow. there's a Pokemon manga. <laughs> was, was that a genuine no, wow? But, I mean, half and half. <laughs> there's a, there's wow. a Pokemon manga that got started a bit before, um, the show came out in which, Ash's Pokemon is a Clefairy. Um, so I guess, I guess it's just like exploring a few more what ifs. My understanding is that the two movies after this don't do any of that. They just continue making Pokemon movies, but they use this art style and this design. Um, I don't know. It could have been bolder then, I guess is what we're saying. Like it, it, it's, it's, is this kind of remake opening and then there's a few scattering remake -y bits throughout but it's it's largely just a business as usual type Pokemon movie. So less ho oh, more hey ho. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Um I wanted to give one little shout out to the credit song because I quite liked it. No, I wrote that down <laughs> to the I Choose You song. It's a very sweet it wouldn't sound out of place in like a bog standard West End musical in the best sense. It was sung by Haven Pascal, who is a Broadway actress, best known for playing Princess Fiona in the Shrek musical. Wow. Well, I can't think of anyone more appropriate. <laughs> Somehow we managed to get a Shrek reference in here. Well, 
thank you very much for discussing uh, this movie. <laughs> I don't know how enthusiastic you are about doing more Pokemon movies, but we'll see. When I, when I was watching this, I was thinking, what is there left to say about Pokemon films? Do <laughs> um, you think you're going to keep going? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, I think I might, on a purely scientific basis, maybe cheat and watch a few are coming up, and then I'll maybe decide if there's, a, there's an episode worth of content about one, or maybe we could do like a, a triple a triple bill. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> I, I do really want to watch something. three Pokemon movies in close succession, but maybe double bills. The fourth Pokemon movie I know is a some people see as like the end of the initial batch because I think it's the final appearance of lots of characters and and things. And I do know the plot line a bit. It's got a slightly interesting plot, and I okay. really am qualifying that as slightly. <laughs> um, that's often considered the end of the like start, and then they start. You know, it starts following the anime in different ways, and I don't know what I'm even talking about beyond that. Um, well, what's kind of? I mean, there's so much coming up. In you know, there's new Mortal Kombat movies. There's all sorts of TV shows, which um, we sometimes we sometimes do TV shows, but it really does depend on how many episodes there are to watch. I mean, sometimes you might just do the first chunk of episodes to get an overview. And uh, yeah, I guess maybe if you want us to keep doing Pokemon films, let us know. <laughs> I need to find some other special interests. <laughs> brought on to talk about anything else i mean detective pikachu 2 i'm I'm looking forward to whenever that happens but regardless Uh, we'll have you back certainly at some point hamish if you if you indulge us yeah we'll we'll trap you inside a pokemon ball and bring you here (laughs) thank you do you have anything to plug i think you might hamish but well let me know um if you are going to watch pokemon i choose you after our glowing uh, recommendation um while you're on netflix why don't you type in dead endia and you can add it to your watch list and be alerted when it comes out later this year i'm also starting a podcast uh we've recorded mm-hmm. a few episodes um uh we'd love to have you as guests at some point it's called waking kitchen nightmares a ramsey's kitchen nightmares watch along podcast <laughs> Nice. <laughs> because it. Can you imagine Gordon Ramsay with a Pokemon? He'd just be effing and blinding and calling him a useless piece of crap. I think he'd be very tender. He's very, very sweet to the um, junior mastermind. Mastermind? Masterchef um, contestants. He He's always very kind where it counts. I imagine him eating some Pokemon chow and being like, finally, some delicious fucking food. Yes. Um... Rock crying in the background saying, yes. <laughs> um. So there's that. Um, I think that's all I can really plug at the moment. Uh, so in the meantime, though, how can people keep in touch with Games on Film? Games on Film, our website is gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast, where you can find information about video game movies and uh, the podcast itself. Uh, we're on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at gamesonfilmpod. You can email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. So do please like 
like, rate, review, subscribe, and share with friends and people who might find games on film material interesting. On our social media channels, we try and keep you informed about video game movie news and new TV shows coming up, so please do follow us there for all that information. I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. Hamish, do you want to plug any of your socials? I'm Hamish Steele on everything. Okay. <laughs> and the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. So we chose, we choose you to review, and I don't know how to finish that sentence. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. I've been Harry. I've been Rory. I've been Ash from Pallet Town. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Why won't you get